We've been talking about these Christmas carols that we're so familiar with. But when you look at some of the lyrics of these carols, they are so rich in truth. And so I was thinking about uh, that as I was listening to the radio this week. Uh, There's a couple of songs that I don't know if I would say are rich in lyrics. Uh, For example, like you ever heard that song? It's the most wonderful time of the year. All right. It's the most wonderful. I I know I'm singing. I'm not supposed to. I am doing it. Uh, There's a line in that song. That says, there are parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories at Christmas time? Like anybody, is that part of your routine? Anybody, uh, you know, tomorrow night going to sit and tell ghost stories? Like, Like, do they mix up holidays? I mean, anybody catching my drift here? How about this one? A winter wonderland. All right. In the meadow, we can build and pretend that he is, who the stinking heck is Parson Brown? Like, I, I listened to the song for years, and I was like, oh, Parson Brown, that's me. Parson Brown is not a real person. Parson Brown, the closest I can find is he is Pastor Brown. Some made-up Pastor Brown. So let me just say, as you get ready for your Christmas celebration this week, and you build a snowman, there's no reason for you to name him Pastor Kevin. There's no reason... This is not something you need to do. I'd rather be a person, not a snowman. Uh, And then what about this one? All right, we wish you a Merry Christmas, okay? We wish you a Merry Christmas. And the line is, oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Bring us some figgy pudding and bring it right here. And then we won't leave until... Okay, let me just speak into this for a second here. As your pastor, I feel like I should counsel you in this regard. Uh, First... If you have a friend that wants some figgy pudding, you need to really reconsider your friends, okay? That's just gross on many levels. And secondly, if your friend demands they won't leave until you you get some, okay, that's really bad manners. You really have to get some new friends. Like, that's just wrong on many levels. Again, this is just pastoral counsel for you uh, if you've got friends that are into the figgy pudding thing. (laughs) Today, the real carol we're going to look at today is is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. A little background on this Christmas carol. It was written in 1739 by Charles Wesley. You may say you might be familiar with that name, Charles Wesley. Charles's brother, uh, John, was the guy who created the Methodist movement. So actually, it was kind of like you've got John as the preacher, and you've got Charles, the worship leader, and they went and planted churches. Imagine that. That's how they made their thing. Uh, Charles was a prolific hymn writer. In fact, I think he wrote around 6,000 hymns. Uh, I know some of you are like, what's a hymn? Some of you are like, I love hymns. So uh, two of his most famous hymns were Jesus, Lover of My Soul, and Christ the Lord is Risen Today. So some of you are familiar with that. Those are attributed to Charles Wesley, who happened to write Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, the inspiration for this song that we know, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it was interesting. It was a a Christmas morning uh, about a year after Charles had become a Christian. He was walking to church in London, and and, and he heard the Christmas bells. Like, I don't know, we don't really do that anymore here. Uh, But there was a day where the Christmas bells would ring loudly. And so he's walking to church. He hears his Christmas bells, and he thinks of this word, hark. Hark. Now, I know you and I, that's an old word. That's not a word that, that we would use in our day and age. But that word hark means, listen, pay, pay attention. I, I'm afraid you'll miss this. And he, he, he hears these bells and he begins to think through uh, the story of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. 
You know, Luke chapter 2, you've got Mary and Joseph. They go to Bethlehem. They give birth in a manger. And then you have the angels appearing to the shepherds. And this becomes the inspiration for the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He's got the Christmas bells. He's got the shepherds. And he writes this song. And it's a unique song because it is written from the, you have to understand this song is written from the perspective of the shepherds. The shepherds, these are the guys who actually saw the angels come and proclaimed the tidings of good joy of, of, of the newborn baby. Who said, go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened. Hey, it was the angels who saw the multitudes of heaven open up and, and sing glory to God and the highest. And so these guys, uh, this song is written from their perspective. And as we look at this song, I want you to think this is the way I looked at the song. I thought about uh, three things that would have amazed the, the shepherds that day. As we look at the song, as we look at that story from Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to be today. If you have a Bible, I invite you to uh, open your Bible up to Luke chapter 2. All the words will be on the screen behind me as well. But uh, three things that would have amazed the shepherds uh, on that day when the angels appeared to them. The first thing that would have amazed them is that the angels chose to appear to them, to the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verse verse 8, Uh, It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the flock, out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. See, what's interesting about this is, is out of all the people that the angels could have appeared to, they could have appeared to, to King Herod. They could have appeared to Donald Trump. They could have appeared to, to all these people that we would say are high and mighty. And the shepherds would have been the least likely people for the angel, angelic announcement of the birth of the king. Now, I know when we put our nativity scenes together, we've got the cute little shepherds, and they've got their little sheep, and they're really cute and fuzzy and, and, and cuddly. But that's not the case in, in Jesus' time. Uh, shepherds would have been considered an outcast of their society. When you think about what a shepherd did, okay? A shepherd spent all of his time out in the dirt, walking in the fields, okay? They, shall, they, they spent all their time with Dirty, stinky, smelly sheep. And they spent all their time dealing with all that sheep do. So when sheep uh, use the restroom, hey, guess what? Guess who gets to deal with the manure? It's the shepherds. Uh, as the sheep are, are going through and, and sheep are kind of dumb, so sometimes they fall and they, they scratch their knees. I don't know if they have knees. They scratch their legs. They get cuts. Who's got to deal with those? It was the shepherds. So they're dealing with blood. They have all these things going on. And then you got to think about, I mean, I just think about this. I think about, like, you ever gone and seen, seen a cow? You've got those flies buzzing all around. I imagine it's the same thing with sheep. And so this is what a shepherd's job was. It, was, it, it wasn't a clean job. These people were not very clean when they came home at the end of the day. They probably smelt like the sheep. They probably had dirt and and whatever all over them. And because of that, because they were dirty, uh, the the society viewed them as unable to uh, worship with God's people because they're dirty, because they're unclean, because of what they do. And so they, they, they were not able to worship God with the other people. In fact, they weren't even allowed to be in the presence of God themselves. And because of the fact that they were unclean, because of the fact that they couldn't go and worship God, they became outsiders in that society. They became despised people because something must be wrong with them. That's why they can't come and worship God. And in fact, if you were a shepherd and you were an adult, like if you're a child, great, great, great kid job. You could do that all summer long, whatever you want to do. But if you were an adult and you were a shepherd, you were a failure. 
You were like that one kid in the family. We all have that one that you're just like, man, they're, they're a loose cannon. They're never going to amount to anything. That would be a shepherd considered a failure in life. In fact, shepherds weren't allowed to give testimony in court. Their testimony could not be uh, proved. It was found to be uh, uh, not valuable. And so this is incredible. When you look at the fact that the angels appeared not to King Herod or anyone uh, magnificent, no pastor, they appeared to the shepherds. Now, see, here's why I think that's incredible. Because I know that some of us in here, like, like our life right now is merry and bright. Like some of you, everything is going perfect. Your Christmas looks wonderful. Some of you are trying really hard to make sure your Christmas appears wonderful. So everybody says, look how well this family is. They have it all together. And you're trying to put on an appearance so people think, look how good you are. You don't have to raise your hand, but I know there are some of us that are like that. But there's many of us that Christmas becomes sometimes difficult. Christmas can be hard. I mean, some of us, uh, we're getting together, getting ready to have a big family gathering this week. But the reality is there are some of us in this room that are going to be alone on Christmas. That makes that a difficult season. Some of you have a dysfunctional family. Some of you, your goal for this week is that the police do not get called to your family gathering. Right? Maybe some of you. In fact, I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, my idea of a picture perfect family is that is we don't have this large, close-knit family that all live in another state. Yeah? Like, wouldn't that be the, the, the epitome of success? There are some of us in here that feel because of where our life is, we feel that maybe our, the society around us or maybe even our own family, they look at us and say, you're the failure. You're the shepherd. You're the outcast. You're the one who never is going to amount to anything. And again, when you look at this Christmas story, you expect the angels to come to uh, the, the rich and the famous and the righteous I mean, that's what our society values. Our society values beauty and education and popularity and ethnicity and and finances and talent. But that's not who the the angels came and spoke to. They came and appeared to the shepherds. And they were amazed. Man, God chose to come and speak to us. God chose to send his messengers to speak to us. Man, I think if those shepherds were here today, the shepherds were here at Restoration Church. You know what they'd be saying today? They'd be telling us, listen, hark. Listen. Listen. The, angel here, the angels are here to give their message to you. You are the one that the angels wants to speak to today. They want you to hear about this Savior. They want you to hear about this Savior and how his presence changes your lives. About having him in your life changes everything. And the, those shepherds would say, listen, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're, you're black or white or brown. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. Those shepherds would be here today to say, listen, there's a message that God has for you. The question is, are you going to listen? Are you going to hark and hear what the angels are trying to speak to you today? Second thing that would have amazed these shepherds is the shepherds would have been amazed that these angels came and were having this celebration 
over the birth of a baby. Like, that's why they came. Here's, here's verse 10, Luke chapter 2. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Hey, that's a Christmas story, right? There, there's a baby Jesus. They're going to lay him in a manger. He's born. Celebration. And here's what happens. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel says, here's what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, there's a multitude of heavenly hosts. I think that's angels. They're saying, glory to God in the highest. You know what that means? When they say glory to God in the highest, means God deserves the greatest praise, the greatest glory because of what he just did, because of what the angel just said is going to happen. That God deserves the greatest praise, the highest praise, because of the birth of the baby. And when you think about this, though, Think about these angels. I right? think about all that the angels have seen. The angels, I think they were uh, firsthand witnesses of creation. So when God said, let there be light, the angels saw the galaxies upon galaxies that in a moment, in an instant, God created just with a command. Like we can't even fathom, try, trying to get your mind around like the galaxies and the universe and the stars and all that. Like I can't even fathom how big it is. So I did this. I tried to figure out, okay, how could we grasp just how big the universe is? So here's what we did. Here's what I did. I figured, let's figure out how long it would take us to drive 70 miles an hour. That's a freeway speed limit to the sun. The sun is like 98 million miles away. Okay. It would take us 100. I got to look and remember how many I wrote down. It would take us 158 years if we drove continually at 70 miles an hour to reach the sun. Now, I know some of you have a lead foot, and so it would take 141 years to drive at 75 miles an hour. So the extra five miles saves you a few years, okay? 141 years to drive to the sun at 75 miles an hour. Here's the crazy thing. The next closest star, the next closest star, if you traveled 75 miles an hour, it would take you 8,488 years. That's crazy. And think about how many stars are, are in the galaxy. I mean, I mean, we can't even fathom how large it is. Listen, the angels were there. The moment that God created that, the angels saw the whole thing. They saw the, the stars appearing. They saw the galaxy. They saw the planets. Think about how amazing that would have been. Think about, think about this in Luke chapter 1. It says that the angel Gabriel stands in the presence of God. That means that I believe the angels, they're able to, to stand in heaven with God. They get to be next to God's throne. They get to see God's face. I mean, think about this. Think about all the things in history that these angels have seen. They saw when, when Moses uh, split the Red Sea and, and the Israelites walked on dry land. They saw when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. They saw the temple being built in all its beauty. They saw the Dallas Cowboys' last Super Bowl so long ago. Like the angels, they've seen all these amazing things. But none of those are what they thought gave God the highest glory. What is it they thought that they gave, that gave God the highest glory? Is verse 2 of that song. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. 
is the fact that, that God sent this baby. The greatest display of God is not his power in creation. Is that God would humble himself. That God would live like us and die for our sins. In fact, as you look at the rest of this song, it's amazing. It's all about this. It's the fact that, 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 that we don't ascend up to God. We said this last week. We don't have to ascend up to God. We don't have to make ourselves better. We don't have to improve ourselves. We don't have to do a bunch of good things to get up to God's level so God likes us. No, God chose to descend down to our level. To become one of us. To live the life that we couldn't. To pay the penalty for our sin. In fact, when you look at this song, it's what it's all about. It's what the angels are all singing about. Look at uh, verse, uh, verse 3 of this song. Uh, Charles Wesley writes, Hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays the glory by, born that men no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. When you think about these angels and all that they've seen, The most incredible thing is the fact that Jesus shows mercy and grace and that he forgives rebellious sinners like you and I. And of all these things, the angels are most amazed that God chooses to save us, that he heals uh, the broken, that he restores what's gone wrong, that he makes us a new creation, that he can change us from the inside out. Most marvelous thing of all the angels have seen is not God's power to create It's not a power to do miracles. It's a power to put life back together after sin has messed it up. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, the Apostle Peter, he's talking about the gospel and how God saves people like you and I. On the end of that section, verse 12, he says, these are things which the angels long to look into. The gospel message, how God saves us. These are things that the angels, they they, they long, they desire to look into these things. It doesn't mean that the angels, that they want to experience it, but can't. In a sense, these angels are an outsider to the drama of sin and redemption because they've never sinned. They, They haven't experienced that. And so they love to watch salvation unfold in the lives of people like you and I. Of people who are sinners and God chose to redeem. And you just think about this idea of the celebration because of Jesus being born, the celebration because of what Jesus is about to do to save sinners like you and I. Just be honest with where you're at right now. Like as you think about your Christmas celebration, you think about what you've got scheduled for tomorrow night and and Tuesday and Wednesday and whatever you've got planned this week. Man, the angels... They're not recipients of God's grace. But that's what they're most excited about. What are you most excited about? And I'll be honest just about myself. Like I was excited for 100.9 to get turned into the uh, Christmas station. I was really excited for that. I was really excited to go and look at Christmas lights this year. I love do like I can go again and again and again. I was really excited to, to wrap presents and have my kids open those gifts on Tuesday morning. I'm really excited for the food, for the ham. I think there's going to be a turkey too, but it's all about the ham. Like, I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited to spend time with my family. 
But what about the birth of our Savior? How excited are we to celebrate that? Because it's not just the birth of the Savior. It's what that Savior came to do. That he came to live the perfect life that none of us could live. As hard as we try, as much as we try and fake it. Just like we fake Christmas trying to make it look like, hey, we've got everything figured out. He lived the perfect life that none of us couldn't. And he took upon himself all of our sin. Every time we lie. Every time we think an evil thought. Every time we know the right thing to do, but we choose to do the wrong thing anyways. He took every one of those things. He endured the judgment that we deserved. He paid the penalty on the cross. He paid our penalty in full. And he rose from the grave to conquer Satan and death and sin and hell so we can be free. And that for us, listen, heaven is only possible for us because of Jesus on the cross. That our freedom, that the power to change in our life, to become a different person, the the, the purpose we have in life, the ability to overcome, doesn't come by us being smarter. Doesn't come by us trying harder. It comes from what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And the shepherds we hear today, man, I think that would be that same message they'd say. They said, hark, listen, listen. The Savior has come to display God's grace and mercy to you if you will receive it. This baby's life is our ticket to heaven. There's no other way. Third thing that shepherds would have been excited about, amazed about, is they would have been amazed at, to experience the presence of God. They would have been amazed to experience the presence of God. Think about this. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. The angel already came and proclaimed, hey, there's a baby born in Bethlehem. Go see him, the newborn king. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Again, you've got these shepherds who are the least likely recipients of this angelic message. The newborn king's born. And what do they do? They trusted. They trusted the message. They obeyed what was called to them. And they went to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, they found Mary. And they found Joseph. Joseph was probably going to Chick-fil-A to get Mary something to eat after she gave birth. I mean, that's what you do, good men. They, they found the baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And in that very moment, as the shepherds find this stable, I don't know if Chick-fil-A is really in the story. I may have added that in, but I'm just saying. In that moment, it's remarkable what they experienced. Because they walked into that stable, that cave. They experienced the very presence of God. Do you understand that? That in that little baby, in that little baby was the incarnation of God. In that baby was Emmanuel, God with us. 
in that baby was God descending down to our level to say, hey, I'm coming to be with you. How many of you ever experienced the presence of God? How many of you ever can look back and think, man, man, I know exactly what it's like to feel the presence of God around me. I know there's, for me, there's a few of these times in my life that I can look back very clearly and think about feeling God's presence. Just give you a picture of what this is like. Man, there was a number of years ago, uh, we had four kids. And uh, uh, surprise, number five's on its way. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, just full, di- full disclosure, man, I was scared to death. I was, 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 was not ready for this. If you're going to ask me what was going on, I mean, money was tight. Money's always tight. But, but we had four kids already and trying to figure out, man, how are we going to survive with all these kids? Um, going through a season where I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I be a good dad? I feel like kids were getting older and I feel like, man, I'm not doing very good as a dad. I'm struggling trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure out life for myself. Like, where am I going? What am I doing in life? And I'm just struggling. And then I get this news. Oh, yeah, there's another one coming. And then, you know, the other thought running through my mind. Is you know what people are going to say? Because undoubtedly, like we had four kids already. People were going to say, hey, do you know what causes that? And I'm like, yes, I do know what causes that. Come on. But we don't have cable. What are we supposed to do? And (laughs) so (laughs) so this went on for several days where I'm just I, I, I'm, I'm struggling through this. I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. I'm afraid. That's what it was. I was afraid. And we went to church on Sunday. And we sang a song by Matt Redman called You Never Let Go. And here's the lyrics. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back because, God, I know you are near. And I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, whom then shall I fear? If my God is with me, Kevin, who will you fear? Oh, no, God never lets go through the calm and through the storm and every high and every low Oh, no, you never let go. You never let go of me. Listen, that day, my circumstances didn't change. Money was still going to be tight. Still got to figure out how to love these kids and raise them well. Still got to deal with people saying, do you know what causes that? But I'll tell you what, in that that moment, hearing that song being sung, and tears just flowing down my face. Listen, there was a, a feeling of peace. There was a, a feeling of, of calmness, of safety, of security, of, you know what, we're going to be okay. That's the presence of God. The moment that everything seems like it should be falling apart, but there's that sense of calm, sense of peace, sense of, I got you, Kevin. That is the presence of God. You ever experienced that? You ever felt that in your life? 
I'll give you a more recent example of feeling the presence of God. November was a tough month for me. Many of you know my, my mom. Uh, we put her on hospice in the beginning of November. And she passed away shortly after Thanksgiving. And uh, we're getting ready for the funeral. The funeral happened to be the day before our Christmas outreach. So my heart is hurting. I'm trying to be at work. I'm trying to be at home with my family. I'm trying to be down in Tri-Cities helping plan my mom's service. There's all this stuff going on. And it comes to Sunday. And I'll be honest, I was struggling. I've got all these emotions I'm trying to figure out. I'm still grieving. But I've got all this work that has to be done. I get everything ready. And people start coming in. And I stood right there in those doors right there. And I stopped for a second. I just watched. I look on either side of the auditorium. And there's you people. Restoration Church, you're loving the city. These little kids are coming in. And you're smiling at them. You're welcoming them. You're giving them cookies. I see him coming, sitting down. I see people being engaged. Listen, despite my circumstances, I felt joy right there. I shouldn't have felt joy. I was a mess. But despite my circumstances, I felt the presence of God. I felt joy that I shouldn't have had. So that is the presence of God. That is the presence of God. No matter what's going on in our life, God is with you. God's got this. You are loved. You are accepted. You have a purpose. You have a savior. You are not alone. That is the presence of God, folks. Listen, for you and I to experience the presence of God, listen, there's no magic formula. There's no hoops you got to jump through and try and figure out how to experience it. Listen, if those shepherds were here today, you know what those shepherds would say for us? They'd say, hark, listen. You want to experience the presence of God? First, you have to listen. You have to hear the message. Second, you got to obey. You got to get up and do what God says to do. Go to Bethlehem. Number three, you got to make yourself available. You got to humble yourself. You got to stop making it about you. You got to allow God to be God. You got to allow God to speak into your life. And if we would just do those simple things, if we would hark, if we would obey, if we would listen and humble ourselves, God's presence is all around us. And that's my prayer for you today. No matter right now in your life, no matter if things are, are good or things are bad, if you're in the calm or if you're in the storm today, tomorrow, this Christmas, my prayer is that you would experience God's presence in a very powerful way. That you would feel his love that you would feel his, his peace, that you would feel his joy, that you would feel his wholeness, his safety, his grace and his mercy. Those shepherds, they did. And it says in verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and all that they heard as it had been told to them. 
Listen, the message from those shepherds to us today is, listen, Jesus came to give you his presence. Jesus came so you can know him, so you can know his forgiveness, so you can know his salvation. Because when you know that, that makes your life right. That changes how you live. That changes who you are. Listen, there are stories all throughout this church of people whose life became dramatically different because they felt and they knew the presence of God. They knew his forgiveness. They knew him personally. That's what I want for you this morning. I want to close just with a little bit of a story. It's a young family. They had a four-year-old little girl getting ready to have another baby. They give birth to a little baby boy. They bring him home. A little four-year-old girl says, Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad, can you, can I be alone with the baby? Can I, can, I, I want to spend some time with my baby brother. The parents are thinking, four-year-old, they're a little jealous right now. Maybe the baby wants to hurt, maybe the little girl wants to hurt the baby or, or do something mean. Oh, no, you can't be alone with the baby. Goes on a couple of days and they say, man, there's a little girl, she's fine. She's not showing any jealousy towards the baby. So they decide, okay, all right, little, little, little gal, you can go in the baby's room. You can have a couple minutes with the baby. Parents crack the door open just a little bit so they can watch. A little girl snuggles up next to the face of her baby brother. Says, tell me, baby brother, tell me what God feels like. Because I'm starting to forget. Tell me what the presence of God feels like. Because I'm starting to forget. Listen, we're at Christmas time. It's a time for us to be reminded of God's presence among us. Time for us to snuggle up close to God. To see him. To feel him. To hear him once more. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Let me pray for you.